Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We are going to take a look at social constructs today. So it's a little bit more technical. For those of you who uh, have been around a while, you've heard a few of these. Uh, I try to throw some of them in uh, from time to time. So what is the social construct? It's a frame for shaping views, right? We, we have this container from which we uh, believe uh, in the way the world exists, and that's our social construct. It is abstract. It is not concrete. It can't be, it's it's why you might hear me at times say, we, we can't legalize love. You can't force people to choose the abstract emotion of love in every situation. We just can't do it. I wish we could. Man, if we could legalize love and we just mandate it and Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, but then we wouldn't have free choice. So, you know, maybe not. Um, who this impacts, it impacts all of you, all of us, me included. Why? Because it's a sense of belonging. So the container from which we construct viewpoints uh, allows us the opportunity to clarify, classify, and discriminate, which you've heard me in the past say. Again, I will reiterate this probably every time that I say it, but discriminate is not to discriminate against. It's to tell the difference between. We clarify we classify, we put them in containers, and then we got to be able to tell the difference between the containers. And then over time, there's got to be a change and growth, right? The social construct, <clears throat> if it's the same when you're 10 years old as it is when you're 30, oh, we got a big problem, right? We Social constructs change over time. And so, you know, obviously today I'm going to probably hit on some of the big ones. Actually, I know I'm going to hit on some of the big ones. But there's a lot of social constructs that are developmental in nature. And if we want to get into that at a later date, just send me a note and let's, let's have that discussion as well. But for today's discussion, uh, I want to talk about some different lenses that we use for our social constructs, which by the way, I'm going to reiterate this again, it is not a rigid term. It's an abstract term. So anybody who says, oh, there's a definitive, uh, uh, you know, a social construct of da, 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 that's not true. And social constructs are abstract by nature. That's where philosophy fills in. And, you know, then, then you add in law and then you add in relational dynamic and like, it's an abstract concept in its, in its creation. And it starts with the individual and it becomes these bigger things that then we view through those lenses. Think of it like glasses that you put on your face. So some social constructs. Dictatorship. It's hierarchy-based, and it's typically family-driven. If you were born into the right family, voila, you get to be a leader. It's not about who's the better leader. It's, it's based on hierarchy. It's based on were you born into the right family. Socialism is where, you know, probably the best way to do it is I'll, I'll go ahead and just, uh, I'll, I'll read you a little example that I have. And many of you have heard this. It, it, it's not 100% consistent and accurate. And I'll explain why at the end, but it's kind of a neat story. An economics professor at a local college made a statement that he had never failed a single student before. 
but had recently failed an entire class. That class had insisted uh, that socialism worked and that no one would be poor and no one would be rich. The great equalizer. Because remember, in socialism, it's, it's the idea that you, know, you, you take from the wealthy and you give to the poor and you put everyone in the middle. So the professor said, okay, we will have an experiment in this class and we'll use socialism as the plan. All the grades will be averaged and everyone will receive the same grade. So no one will fail and no one will receive an A. Substituting grades for dollars, something closer to home and more readily understandable by all, right? So we, we went with grades, the idea of an evaluation. After the first test, the grades were averaged and everyone got a B. The students who studied hard were upset that the students who studied little were happy. Like they got upset, like an understandable emotional response because I worked hard and I'm being treated the same as those that did not work hard, right? But if you didn't work hard, then why you just got a B and you didn't even have to work for it. Pretty fantastic. As the second test rolled in, the students who studied little had studied even less because they were rewarded for the poor behavior. And the ones who studied hard decided they wanted a free ride too, so they studied little. The second test, the average was a D. No one was happy. When the third test rolled around, the average was an F. And so it goes. What's the concept there? The concept is the biggest risk of socialism is ultimately its laziness. If I can't work my way to something superior, something uh, important, some sort of goal to strive toward, then what's the point of working at all? And when we ask ourselves that question, why, why you know, we've, we've seen it with our, our social programs in this country for a long time, right? Um, I, I saw it firsthand with my mother. And the reality is there was no reason to get off of food stamps. There was none. It was, it, it, you know, it was f for, for her viewed as free money, but it's not actually free. Somebody else was paying for that. And that's where socialism can cause some issues, right? The idea that it's, it's free money. Well, there's no such thing as free money. It just isn't. Unless we can start spending Monopoly money at the store, which would be pretty sweet. I would, I would be pretty rich. I would actually go buy some more Monopoly games. Capitalism. It's, it has its flaws also for all you capitalists out there. Does it create competitiveness? For sure. Which is overall a good idea because with competitiveness, you have market rebalances. Um, which is, which is nice, but you also infuse greed. And greed is actually detrimental to a system because if we've got people hoarding stuff, then that might mean that there's other people who can't get the stuff, and that's a problem. Then we have the, other, the, the fourth view that I'm going to highlight today is this this, I guess, I don't know how, it's not really new, but it's, it's sort of new on the front line with these others. And that's the Marxist view. And the idea there is to constantly tear down the powerful group. It's the whole Robin Hood example. It's like, let's take that 
that superiority that whoever's in that position of superiority at the time, whatever power they have, and let's break it down. And if we do that long enough, we create a classless society, one that doesn't have any classes. Obviously, there's there's a big downfall to that. You you're you know there's always this you're bordering on on anarchy. Um, so what I thought would be interesting, and bear with me while I do this because I'm going to do this on the fly. Like I I haven't I've only written down three things, and I'm going to just go through each view. Uh, or each topic from each view. So gun laws. From a dictatorship view, it's a person gets to decide for everybody who gets a gun and what that looks like. One person, ultimately. That's the dictatorship view. That's the hierarchy-based view. And some of you out there are probably saying, well, we're living in a dictatorship. Um, No, we're not. But I I understand why some people think that right now. Uh, But we're not. So the gun law. Let's take a socialist view. So if the susceptibility there is is to get lazy and everybody has the same, well, then we should be mass producing a gun for every person that's born or take them all away. That's what the socialist view would say. Because if it's good for one, it's good for the other look at the other, the other issue with that. If you were born fast, there's no inherent value to that because being faster, it doesn't matter. We're going to treat you exactly the same as everybody else. So your speed doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's super anti-sports, right? Like why would we even care about sports at that point? The capitalist view on gun laws. If they can afford them and they can buy them, let them get them. Obviously, we need, <laughs> we need some, uh, some reins around that one because, you know, does that mean that a person can purchase an army? I mean, it sort of happens-ish at times. But we have some, some constraints, not, not too many, uh, but there are some constraints on things like that. Uh, but they're more behaviorally driven. How about the Marxist view? The constant tearing down of power. That would be, if you have guns, I want to take them. That's the Marxist view. That was just just gun law. All right. All right. Moving on to the next one. The abortion rulings. A dictator would say, this is what we have said, and therefore it is pound the gavel, decisions over, get over it. It's too late. You, it doesn't matter what you think. I've heard what I wanted to hear, and I've made my decision. Obviously, we came, the, the America came out of uh, you know, the, the British rule, and we have done a lot of things to make sure that dictatorship can't happen. Um, so thank goodness for that, because <laughs> it, it would... It just puts us in a different position now. Socialism, the 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 idea of 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 everybody has exactly the same thing. When it comes to the abortion ruling, um, that would be people who really think that we can make a single law that would dictate every decision. You can see the challenge in that. Uh, there can't be that. 
there has to be exceptions and there has to be room for exceptions. The capitalist view, if they can afford it, they can abort it. Well, clearly that would be problematic because then people with money would be in a position to do well. And to some degree, let's be real in our more, we, we do swing toward the more capitalistic side. There is some of that. If you can afford the best healthcare, you can get it. But if you can't, you got to take whatever healthcare you get, right? That there's challenges in that. The Marxist view, the idea of aborting a child, um, the, the Marxist view would probably say, uh, yeah, this one's super interesting to me because in the, in the Marxist view, the idea of tearing down the powerful group, in that situation, the powerful one is the mother. Um, so I guess theoretically, they ought to be against abortion. But I think in practical, experiences, they would actually be the opposite. And so maybe they're placing the the emphasis, the ribbon of power on the person. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where they put that, to be honest. You know what? If you have an answer for that, please let us know. I, I'm not sure how they would, you know, they, they would view that from a Marxist viewpoint. I actually think that the Marxist view might actually point to these other viewpoints, like the capitalist, the socialist, or the dictator viewpoint, and take the opposite viewpoint that those would provide, whatever they are. So depending on where it was, I think it would, it would dictate its, its actual view. Again, I don't know that for sure. So if you have a better picture of that, I'd love to hear it. Let's go to the gas prices, economics. A dictator is going to say, well, if it benefits my piggy bank, then by all means, raise the prices. Obviously, there comes a point at diminished return, so they wouldn't want to raise them at, at a certain point. Uh, but that's what they would probably most likely say. A socialist view would be, we need to make it fair for everybody. Um, and if, if people are having a hard time with gas prices, let's raise the price on something else to compensate for the gas prices, and then we can lower the price on gas so that everybody feels like they're a winner. That's probably what a socialist group would say. A capitalist would say, if people are paying it, then you can charge it and let the market uh, rebalance on its own. Um, not stimulate it with money or take money out of the system. Just say, here's what it is. And if the gas stations decide that they're going to gouge you, we'll have that conversation separately. But if people are willing to pay, they're willing to pay. Uh, the Marxist view would be, <laughs> when it comes to economics, it would be to it, it diminish the overall value, like run it into the ground. The idea of tearing money as a powerful tool away from people would be super enticing to a Marxist viewpoint. Why was I pointing at all of those things? I want to highlight the variables. I want to give you different perspectives. Again, I'm not the, the guru on all of these things, clearly. When it comes to the Marxist viewpoint, 
I understand it in theory in some aspects, but the way it translates at times, I really think it's often more an emotional response than an actual power response, right? When people have a lot of emotion, I think there's this insinuation that that's a lot of power. And I think the Marxist movement gets thrown off kilter by emotions, which is why, you know, the Marxist movement is more readily willing to go to violence and stuff like that in our culture. Um, but I did, this, I did this because I wanted to highlight the variables. Dictators create dependent cultures. We, the people following the dictator, are at the mercy of whatever the dictator decides. So we are dependent on the dictator to get it right. If the dictator gets it right, we're super lucky. The socialist variables would suggest that exceptionalism is easily marginalized. So that what we would then be doing is we would be limiting our top end. We'd be taking off our strongest, most capable, uh, you know, it would, it would be Nobel prizes that never happened because there's no drive for exceptional work. There's no point in it. Why do exceptional when I can do mediocre and get the same pay, the same benefit, the same experience in life? The capitalist is greed is the biggest threat there. It's, it's by far the biggest threat. So when I hear about our country uh, having this, this greedy tendency, I believe there's a portion of that. I really do. Everybody wants to have their own and somebody else's. And if, well, I'm going to get into that in a minute. So just stay with me. The Marxist view, the biggest risk there, the biggest, when we look at these different variables that I I highlighted in those three different examples, and I know they're only three examples, and some of you out there are going to probably be like, well, you should have gone into this or that or that or this. Okay, give me that feedback. Uh, You know, if there's an overwhelmingly um, strong desire for some of you to hear about a given topic and have me go back and rehash some of this, I'm happy to do that. That's fine with me. But the Marxist, when we look at the variables for the Marxist viewpoint, chaos is constantly at the door, which means fear is constantly at the door. That means lies, secrets, and deceptions are constantly at the door. Now, you know, some of you out there and be like, well, there's lies, secrets, and deceptions anyway. And there's always going to be fear. It's true. But a culture doesn't have to focus on the fear and avoidance of the fear, which, by the way, in the clinical work, it doesn't provide great solutions to focus on the fear and avoid the fear. Avoidance is a temporary solution. Confronting it is usually going to lead to a much better long-term outcome. So the idea of having chaos always at the door, that's problematic. Now, I told you the problems with all of them. Now, in America, we are, we are kind of a mix of a couple of these things, right? We're, we're, we don't have dictatorship. The president can only decide so many things on his own, right? The Congress can only, they only have certain powers. And so it goes. What we tend toward here in the United States is the socialism and capitalism mix with it being predominantly capitalistic, 
the idea that the, the markets will rebalance. If you're willing to put in the work, you're willing to get the reward, that you can earn your way to a better future. That's the predominant model. The idea that you can seek a, a future that is different and better than the one you have right now. But it's got some socialist twists, right? I, I talked about in other uh, podcasts, you know, my, my mom being on food stamps. That's a socialist twist. That is not a capitalist twist, right? The, 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 the capitalist way would be, well, you know what? If you want to eat and get out and work. <clears throat> but the socialist twist is there are exceptions that we need to pay attention to. There's socialist twists when it comes to, uh, you know, oversight. The idea that uh, we want to create a more balanced oversight. There, there's some capitalist benefits to that too. There's, there's a bunch of them built into the system. So let's say that we are both a socialist capitalist with probably something like a 75-25 split. 75 capitalist, 25 socialist. If that's the case, then what we've really created, whether we did this on purpose or not, you guys can go do your history research. What we've really created is intentional tension. By the way, that's not a bad idea when we're looking at relationships. Relationships that don't have any tension tend to fizzle. There, there has to be some tension points to create growth and direction, goals for the future, progress to be made. Without that, honestly, they, they tend to fizzle. So if we are both, then what we are set up for is the idea of constantly having that tension, but with relatively predictable outcomes. It's kind of an interesting uh, you know, construct to consider when we look at both sides. So my question is this, why does this matter? It matters because how we see ourselves dictates our responses. That's why it matters. To know that we are both socialist and capitalist, predominantly capitalist, but with some socialist tendencies. That allows us to respond on purpose in good and healthy ways, knowing that there's limits to both. So we might swing closer to the 50-50 split and then back and then back towards the 50-50 split and then back. And so it goes. It comes down to, if you've heard me talk about this before, it comes down to knowing who we are matters. Who were we? Look, we were a country built on slavery. We were that. And that was not good. I am grateful that that is gone. That we don't have slaves in the sense that we had them before. Now it could be argued that you know, there's, there's all kinds of slavery going on because people are you know, working you to death. Maybe. At least they're paying you. You could walk away right? Slavery, you couldn't walk away. So I'm glad that the past there, we had situations where women and, and people of color couldn't vote. That was a reality. Now that's different. Thank goodness for those changes. We have to know who we were though, because 
If we don't know who we were, we can't change those things on purpose. If they change, it was by accident. And we don't want to go back to those things. We know that. We have to know who we are. Are we going to be a culture? Are we going to be a culture that decides uh, to focus on all of these, these niche groups, these small ones, and ignore the massive population in the middle? Because that's what we're doing to a degree. Are we going to be a culture that is ill with narcissism? Are we going to be that? Is that what we're going to be? I hope not. I hope we change our trajectory. But you can listen to other podcasts I've put together about our cultural illness. I think it's a really big, true, real concern. Who do we want to be tomorrow? Do we want to be more capitalistic, more socialistic, more dictatorship, more Marxist? Who do we want to be? We should probably take a look at who we want to be. Do we want government in our business or not in our business? Do we want rights or do we want to get rid of all rights? Because if we have rights, let's, let's be real. If we were taking a Marxist perspective, anybody who has rights, I mean, those rights have got to go away. They create an unnecessary uh, power structure. Do we want rights? Do we want to be able to have free speech? Do we want to be able to, I don't know, go to public schools? Do we want rights or not? This is really identity work again. I know I've, I've addressed this a few times and, and it's, it's important though. It's not your identity work though. This is community identity work. This is what it looks like when a bunch of people decide Hey, we want more socialist tendencies. What does that look like? Let's create that. That's what's happening right now. We got a bunch of free money last year. That's a socialist tendency. That is not a capitalist tendency. That is not a dictatorship tendency. That is definitely not a Marxist tendency. It's a socialist tendency. Do we want a little more socialist tendencies? We got to decide that. And if we don't do it on purpose, it's going to happen to us. It's going to happen to us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want it to happen to me. I would rather have some say in it. I'd rather create the community that I envision that I, I can be involved with, that I can participate in. That's just my own perspective. So who were we? Who are we? Who do we want to be? These social constructs are, are just that. They're framework for us to look at the world around us and make sense of the world around us. It's all abstract, but they can be important abstract concepts. So here's my suggestion. Let's take a look at what was. Did we like that? Let's take a look at what is. Do we like this? And Let's take a look at what it could be. And let's start having that conversation. If we're going to make some changes, and I'm all for changes, I think we can continue to grow as a culture, as a community, as a country. But let's do it on purpose. Don't let people blindly walk you there. 
Because that is not going to be in your best interest. That's going to be in their best interest. We got to be open with our eyes. That way, if we're being led the wrong way, we can change direction and just go somewhere else. I'm not saying leave the country or anything like that. Just stop following them. Stop electing them. We could do that. So that's really the point of this. I wanted you to have the opportunity to look at these these four major uh, constructs that we have, the dictatorship model, the socialist model, the capitalist model, the Marxist model, and say, what do we want to be? Thanks for joining me and have a great day.